Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, you know the drill. You know it helps out. You hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And of course, you can always find my work on ESPN.com. A reminder, I will be down to, I'm down to two podcasts a week for the next several weeks until we get much closer to training camp. And I'm trying to take some time off. So a few of these podcasts over the next couple of weeks, they're just going to be separate podcasts. They're not going to be, if there's news that breaks, go to ESPN.com. Um, we're trying, again, we're trying to take some time off. So some of these things, you know, they'll, they'll have good interviews on there, et cetera. But for the news, ESPN.com. So that's it from that perspective. So today I'm joined by Washington Commanders linebacker, Khalid Hudson. I have a nice audio interview with him just several minutes long that I conducted near the end of minicamp because I just wanted to explain a little bit more in a minute on Hudson, but I just kind of wanted to, um, you know, talk to him because I think he's a key player at that position this year. And even if it's just for depth. So I talked to him, you'll hear that in a few minutes. Before I get to there, I wanted to go over a couple topics with you, including one on Khalid Hudson, but let's start with the preseason expectations for this franchise, or at least expectations from outside the Washington commanders bubble. And I would include media in that bubble because we're there every day. You have a different perspective than people outside that bubble and how things compare. And it's why I always try to bring on outside perspectives for you on this show, because I think it's important to hear what people outside of Washington think or believe about this franchise. Doesn't mean they're right. It's just a different perspective. And what I've always learned over the years that the narrative outside here it sometimes takes a little bit of while to reach people who are in the national media or prognosticators or whatever. And that's what that's part of the game, folks. So, you know, when you look around and I'm starting to see people making their preseason record prediction or their record predictions, et cetera, and there isn't a ton of optimism outside of here for this franchise. So why is that? And you can probably guess some of the reasons yourself. And I don't think I'm going to be telling you anything revelatory or earth shattering necessarily, but you know, and first of all, does it matter what they say? No, I just think it's a different perspective because like this is the perception of this team outside of Washington. Does it make it accurate? Does it make it right? Not always, because again, a lot of times they're just flat out wrong and that's okay. We're wrong too. You're wrong as well because the NFL season is kind of crazy and unpredictable and it comes down to injuries. It comes down to a lot of things that are hard, really hard to predict, but you also have to know the franchise. And one thing I'll say being around this fran- these players and the coaches in the spring is there's a there was a good vibe around them. There was good energy around them. Why is that? Is it be- I think part of it is they feel really good about where they're at and they feel good about themselves. They like the energy that Eric Bieniemy brought. I can tell you again, I played it on here. Offensive guys loved it. 
the defensive guys loved it because he brings that energy. And as Curtis Samuel said, when you have a coach that brings that kind of energy, you as a player have to match it. You can't let the coach be the only one bringing the energy because if he is, it's going to be a long season. So, you know, all that matters, but that's stuff that people outside here aren't going to feel at this point. Early in the year, if they win, you'll see those stories being written a lot by people outside here. Hey, the the impact of this, the impact of that, and the vibe that's that's within the team. And I'll go back to a couple years ago. They're coming off a 7-9 year in Ron Rivera's first season. <clears throat> Played well at the end of the year. Good playoff showing against Tampa Bay. And expectations were higher going into the next year. People were predicting them to win the NFCs. People on ESPN, the national prognosticators, predict them to win the, the, the NFC East. And so, but what we would hear and what we saw, what I saw, concerned me by the end of camp. In fact, I downgraded my um, preseason prediction by a game just because of, and I probably should have done it by a couple of games, but just based on what you saw and heard during camp. It wasn't horrible, horrible. But it wasn't something where you said, oh, I think they're going to be pretty good. It was more like, oh, I think there's some concerns here. And some of those concerns were expressed by Ron Rivera. I don't think people paid enough attention to what he was saying at that time. Bram and I talked about it on this podcast about how his concerns about the maturity level of this team. He was sounding alarms. And I don't think people were heeding those words enough. And, but you saw it in practice. You could feel that there wasn't it, something was just missing a little bit. And some of that was like Ryan Fitzpatrick did not look great during practices. So there were, there were definite concerns going into that year, but the maturity level was something that Ron Rivera harped on a number of times. And I think that was part of the problem that year, o other issues as well. But I think that was definitely one of the problems as well. And now, when you talk to them internally now, you're not hearing those kind of concerns. You're feeling it. You're sensing excitement from them about what they're building. Are they right? Are outside people right? The beauty of the NFL is eventually we'll find out. And uh, let me tell you this. You're allowed to have your own optimism here. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for having that. Now, just keep it in check because I think there's a lot of unknowns. But you're allowed to believe that this maybe they've got it going right because of X, Y, and Z, and this move or that move, or this player can mature, that guy can do this. That's fine because there's no proof that you're wrong at this point either. So hang on to those. And it's as a fan, what you want more more than anything is hope and faith. You have faith, and you know, and and you want that hope. So can you? Are you wrong for having that? No. If you're predicting 12 with 12, 13 win seasons, I tell you, you might need to lay off the juice a little bit. But going in there thinking that, hey, they could do this. They could be going here like nine, 10 wins. You might got to think you're crazy. No, they do have a harder schedule. So does everybody else in the NFC East. And in fact, of the four NFC East teams, I believe their schedule is the easiest, albeit a hard one. I think they're all like in the top 10 for hardest, uh, you know, the strength of schedule for whatever that means. It's based on last year's winning percentage. Teams aren't always the same, but the bottom line is their schedule is tough, but so is everybody else in that divisions. So. And when you look at the expectations, of course, Philly and Dallas are going to be ahead of everybody. And I think they should be based on what they've done over the years. So that's one of the things that I would say, like one of the reasons why people look at it here like that is because of what this team hasn't done in a long time. And that's win. They haven't had a winning record since 2016. It's a long time. They haven't won a playoff game since 2005. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt when you're turning to a young quarterback like Sam Howell without much experience. And I'm going to get to him in a minute. But I so I think there's that benefit of the doubt that they don't get 
at this point, the way you get that is to build a good organization that wins. If the Patriots were in this situation, they'd probably get more benefit of the doubt because it's Belichick. They've won. They had won, you know, previous regimes, etc., or with previous teams. So you're going to get the benefit of the doubt, but this place will not. And I think that's something you always have to keep in mind when people are picking them is that they're always going to be kind of judged subconsciously, consciously, whatever, by things that have happened here prior and by the way the team has been prior. So that's one thing. And I do think the Sam Howell situation plays into it as well, because I get that question a lot, whether I'm on the radio, whether I'm just talking to people casually, you know, who people in the media, whatever. Are they really going to go with how? Do they really think he can be that good? Is this is that for real? And the answer is yes. They are going. They are going to go with him, and they have been consistent in their thoughts on him. But if you're outside this bubble, the way you're looking at that is the guy was a fifth round pick. He started one game, and they're going to turn it all over to him based on that. And that's what's hard for people to grasp. And like, can you really? Do you really believe that this guy can do that? And we can sit here and say, like, let me as personally. I like his traits. I think there are things that this kid could do. And I think he's got a chance to be good because I see the traits. He's got a good arm. He makes quick decisions. You know, he can, he can get out of pressure. I think those are all good things. And he, you know, he throws a good deep ball. And the question to me, will he, will he consistently make good decisions? Will he consistently take care of the ball as well? Because if he doesn't do the latter, then it's going to put the team in a bad spot and that's going to affect the W's and L's. So, can he do all that? But he's got, to me, he's got a chance. And the funny thing is, I almost look at this and say, if this were Ron Rivera's second year, I think people might look at it differently because he's going into a year where it's really a must-win season for him and he's putting his hopes on a quarterback like Sam Howell. That should all, now I know some of this is they're hoping to develop a kid who has a rookie contract that can so they can afford to keep the D-line together, et cetera, et cetera. But Think about it. Would Rivera really pin all his hopes on a guy in this situation just because of that contract? I don't think so. I know they like him. Now, the fifth round pick thing, we can all say, you know, people can say, oh, he would have been a first round pick if. Well, the bottom line is he wasn't. So he's going to be judged that way, fair or not, right or wrong. You're okay. Look at it and say, I think this kid can be this. I think the NFL missed on this. Go ahead. Have at it. You know why? Nobody, you're not wrong yet. We don't know who's right or wrong here. The NFL may have made a mistake in not picking him ahead of the fifth round and letting Washington pick him when they hadn't planned on taking a quarterback, but they felt they had to because they had him in the second as a second round rated quarterback. If they had picked him in the second or third round, then I don't think that a lot of people would look at I think people would look at it differently because a lot of people thought he'd go there. But then when he went in the fifth round, they're judging him by that standard, by that, by that selection. Fair? We'll see. Again, you're allowed to have that faith in him because he has shown enough to make him really intriguing and interesting. He has shown that he has that good arm. He has shown that he can throw the deep ball. He has shown some good traits in the pocket, you know, but has he shown it all? Can he do it for a course of year? I don't know. Can he be a good quarterback? Yes. But when will he get there? I don't know that either. And nor does anybody else, which makes this intriguing. As a reporter, that's kind of, it's really interesting to write about because we don't know. I think the enemy will have a good impact on him. But what I also know is he's a young quarterback learning a new offense and you have a new coordinator teaching a new offense to an entire group. Does that happen overnight? Does it mesh overnight? No, that takes time to build. Can they win while they are enduring whatever growing pains the offense is going to endure? Can you continue to win? Do they ask him, 
you know, how, what, what kind of burden are they putting on him? And it doesn't mean it's all run, run, pass, run, run, pass. That's not how you take the pressure off him. You do it by putting him in good situations and you do that, but you can run some pass plays that are not the most difficult to read or whatever. And it may be a little bit more simplistic sometimes, but you can get put him in favorable situations as a passer based on the action of a play based on, you know, the screen game, right? This screen game should be a lot better than it was. If you have a coach that adheres more to the details than they've had, I think that helps as well. So don't put him in a bad spot to help maximize what he can do and allow the team to win while he develops because he's got to develop. He's going to go through growing pains. How much is it going to affect the offense? So when you're looking from an outside, again, as a fan, you can sit there and say, I think he's going to be good because of this. That's fair. That's your right. Have at it. But it's also, if you're looking outside, if you were looking at another team that had a guy in this situation, how would you assess that? And you know what I always do as a reporter, because I've learned this over the years, even as a fan of teams, like I'm a big fan of Ohio State. Sometimes I see a guy that's not playing or not doing as well. I'm like, oh, he's really talented. What don't I know about this situation? Or what do they see in this guy who's playing more that maybe I look and say, oh, how could that guy play? He was a third, he was only a three-star recruit. Why is he playing over this five-star? Well, what is that three-star guy showing in practice that gives the coaches confidence to play him? So I always kind of take it from that perspective about what don't I know about the situation versus making some sort of like, oh, they're crazy for doing this. I always kind of think there's something else going on there, good or bad. And in this case, I think you have to ask yourself, why would Rivera trust his fourth year, a year that's crucial for him with the guy in this position? It's because he likes him and they like him and Biennemi likes him. You have to understand that. So, but from an outside perspective, I can understand why they do it. From a fan perspective, I understand why you have some hope that maybe this kid can be better than what people think he can be. So there you go. That's that's my little spiel on expectations. In the end, they don't matter much. They're fun stuff, but it gives you some, I just sometimes like, as a, a measuring stick of how the perception of the organization outside here. The other thing is what we don't know is what's the impact of the sale. Now, when you were, again, when we were around the team in the spring, you sensed a different energy. Was it all because the, Hey, they're going to be sold. They're all happy because they're, these guys were being paid by Dan Snyder. I don't think a lot of them really care who signs their checks as long as there's somebody signing them. But then there are others that he would have a relationship with. Are they all going to be thrilled that he's gone? I can't say that. I don't, they don't think like, like you guys do They're This guy signing the million dollar checks for them, but what they're not going to be tired of is, is all the toxicity around the franchise. That's what's going to evaporate. And that's something that I think that can lend a boost to them. What's the energy that the fans provide? Because when they're this whole toxic thing, it's not just the reporters questions, you know, make no mistake. Like we go in there and ask, you know, something happens and you go like, Oh, we got to ask about this today. And the players know it. And it becomes a little bit of a topic. But then they go on social media and they see stuff there. They hear what's being said about them. They're reading what's being said about them in many places. And that kind of, there, there's a, you know, that negativity kind of envelops a lot of players. And you can either, I do think, and I've had players tell me this, I think, I think it's made them closer, closer unit. And that's something you can't always measure. That negativity or that, you know, building that wall around you to kind of like, hey, nobody else, this is what everybody else thinks of us. This is what we think of each other. And you can let it can develop a closer knit group. And I do think that this team has been pretty close the last couple of years. How will, will you get a better bounce from that? Um, you know, and, and if conversely, I would have people last year, I had somebody that I really respect and really like as a friend, good friend of mine in the business. Something happened in the summer. I can't remember what it was, but 
I get this text from like, they're going to be a disaster. They're going to, they may not win four games. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I knew they would. That was, that was, I knew he was wrong. I knew he was being hyperbolic. And of course I'm like, there's no way they're, they just have a better roster than four wins. That's why I see people predicting five wins. And I have to believe it's because of Hall and the unknown, because the roster is better than that. That, that would mean a three game decrease over last year. And I think they're in a better spot. Now, the, again, the quarterback is the question, but I think they're going to be in a better spot with the offense in general because of the enemy. And I think because of Logan Thomas being better, better, um, you know, and it'll at least provide some help, right? More help. It has to. So, you know, so that's why I kind of look at that. But if you're, if you're kind of looking at the negative Snyder bounce, then you'd have to look at the positive side because there's going to be a lot more energy, positive energy around this franchise. It's not going to be, you're not going to be reading stories about like, oh, nobody wants to deal with this franchise. Nobody wants this franchise in their backyard. Nobody wants to deal with this owner that owns your team. And you, you want to take pride in playing for the NFL, for an organization, but it's hard to do that when you, when there's all this stuff around there that whether you like or dislike the guy, all that attention existed and all those things were being written and said, and it affects, wouldn't it affect where you go to work? So it affected them too. And I, I would have players that would tell me that over the years, and when they were, they would be in Washington, they would get drafted by Washington, then they'd leave and go to another team. And they, they realize, oh, it's not like this everywhere. And, and, you know, and so they, I think they felt just a mentally better because of it. So there has to be a bounce from that as well. And not having to answer questions all the time about, Hey, your owner's under investigation. What do you think? And then it becomes a topic, you know, or you're going on social media and you're reading it. It's like this organization sucks, blah, blah, all that stuff. It adds up to, you know, the, a big cauldron of, of toxicity that you have to work hard to not let it get you down. And so the reverse can be true. Like what kind of a bounce will they get from not having to deal with all that, that's an unknown. And we don't know. And will it be a big bounce? I don't know. But I guarantee you, if they go out and win a their first couple of games, you're going to be reading that story like, oh, freed of all this. Now they're just a better team. And maybe then they're going to take a different look at what's going on here uh, from a roster perspective. But you got to win those games. It all starts with that. I would always tell players, you know, you want to change the narrative, you have to go win. That changes the narrative. You go out and win this year. You go out and win 10, 11, 10 games this year, nine, even nine. Like, what's the narrative going to be about this team next year? And if Howell goes out and plays well, like, you're going to see a different narrative at this time next year. Can they live up to it? So, anyway, that's just my little spiel on the whole preseason predictions. Again, you know, take it for what it's worth. They're just perceptions. And it's, you know, we don't know who's right or wrong. That's the beauty of this game. You're allowed to think one thing, they're allowed to think another. It gets settled for over several months in the fall. School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket 
by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K-E-I-M-2-3-D-C. Now open seven days a week. This is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. Let's go back to Klee Hudson because I wanted to talk uh, a couple weeks ago for ESPN. We had to pick out a guy who was like the surprise standout player of the spring. And I don't know that there were a ton of alternatives or a ton of options here because guys who were standing out, like, you know, is Logan Thomas, was he a surprise standout? No, because he's a good player. He's healthier. So should you be surprised? No, because by the end of the year, he was showing as a receiver what he could do again. And he showed it again this spring. The key for him will be as a blocker as well and how he's being used. But I think the surprise for there wasn't so much that he was looking good. It's how often they were going to him just in, in the red zone and, you know, other, other situations. And I think that's what I say like is a good development for them is getting him involved in certain situations, getting him involved more, but is he a surprise? No. So how many guys would be considered surprises because Emmanuel Forbes being around the ball, that's what he showed in college. Antonio Gibson, I've been in good spring. Well, that's the skill. Those are the skill sets he have. I think the surprise has always been that they haven't figured out a way to get him the ball more or get him into more space situations and tap into all that. And I know there was, there were a lot of times, even coaches now will say like, yeah, we'd hear that. And then it wouldn't come true. So, you know, um, but anyway, so I picked Kalik Hudson because he was put into a starting role and he played fast, just like he did in that preseason or excuse me, in the season finale against Dallas that opened, I think some eyes in the coaching staff. It did not open Kalik Hudson's eyes and he'll explain why in a few minutes. But for the coaches, even in the spring, I think I told you in the spring, like he was a guy that what they did at linebacker to add more depth would be determined by how they felt he progressed in the spring. And clearly they feel pretty good because they, at, to this point, while I'm recording this, they haven't added anybody else at linebacker. That's your, that, that's what they think of. And it's by the actions. And so that's, that's, but that's what he showed. So in the spring, because Jamin Davis was out because they wanted Cody Barton to work. At least the line was they wanted him to work with the second unit to kind of get him more comfortable with the defense while the starters could play at a certain speed. So he wouldn't hold guys up whether or not that's actually the reason we'll find out in the summertime, but you know, it sounds plausible, but is it, you know, we'll see. But anyways, what it did is it gave Hudson a chance to work with the starters to play at a certain speed, to show the coaches more what he could do, and they came away liking what they saw. So that's why I picked him as my standout guy, but it's also why I wanted to talk to him at the end of minicamp because he did, you know, you saw stuff. And so, you know, could he be, could he be that depth guy that they need there? Because ultimately, you know, they signed Cody Barton for a reason. They obviously like Jamin Davis, and I think they feel like this can be a really good year for him. So, but you still needed more depth behind them. And that's what Hudson can add. And if he doesn't continue to progress in camp, then you have to look for someone else to add there because you do need someone else. And the other thing, if Hudson develops, he adds the versatility to the defense. He can be a big Buffalo nickel type for them. They have Cam Curl who can play that. Obviously they have Quan Martin that they drafted who can help there as well. But if you can have a linebacker fills that role, then that also adds some more versatility to the packages you can run. And so that's where Hudson can really help. In the past, they have tried him in certain roles and coverage and all that. And to be honest, I didn't think he did as well. That's why he didn't play more. But in that last game as a full-time guy, 
he played a lot. He played with a lot of speed and just good recognition, et cetera, et cetera. And good recognition leads to good speed, but, or to allow you to play to your speed. And I think he did that. So how he develops his summer will be crucial just to the depth of that position and how you can feel about the linebacker spot. And, you know, and listen, let's be honest, man, you're a linebacker playing behind this front. You better have a good year. And so like if Davis or Barton don't, that's a disappointment because there's too much talent up front. And what you always hear is like, oh, when you got those guys up front, you should be at a certain level. And I agree with that. So those guys need to play to a certain level. But, you know, again, with, with Hudson, you have depth or you, the potential for depth is there. He just needs to continue to show in the summertime what he showed during the spring. And I think that's where, when the pads come on, that's when you learn more, you learn more about where he's at based on or building off of what he's shown. And then that Ravens game or the Ravens scrimmage, I should say, that's why that those joint practices are so big is because you can work on situations. You get a much stronger feel for where guys are at. And that's why even Rivera going back to Sam Howell would talk about the importance of that, those couple practices because it gives you a different look against a different def- or looks against a different defense and you go through situations, you learn so much more, maybe than more so than even what you would learn in, in playing a couple series in a preseason game, because you can control, hey, you want to work on the red zone, you want to work on third down, you want to work on two minute, you get a chance to watch this guy run 10 plays each of those over a couple of days, that adds up to a lot of information. The same will be true with Hudson. Anyway, that's why I want to talk to him. So stay tuned for that in a couple of minutes. Lastly, on Jason Wright. Now, the Washington Post and even The Athletic kind of wrote something late last week about how well, the Harris group was gonna, wasn't going to was going to make any move there um, and would wait till the end of the season. But if you've been listening to me for a while, it's something that I have mentioned on here as well previously. And, you know, that this, this has been the plan all along. So this wasn't like they were sitting there deciding, 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 and then, okay, we're going to keep him. This, the plan all along has been for the Harris group to keep him. And, and I'm not, trying to disparage any, trust me, I'm not disparaging any reporting. I'm just telling you what I know. And what I know is that that had been the plan along. And it's what I've been, what I'd heard, you know, again, from the start, just, and that's why you'd say like, they're going to, and I told you, they're going to get the season to show whether it's right, whether it's Ron Rivera, because it was just going to be too late in the game to make any move. So the smart move, the patient move, which is a smart move here is to evaluate, see with your own eyes, what you have. I can tell you like they've been asking around on, on about Jason Wright, collecting information about him to see what people think and like, what, what do they have in him? So they're collecting information here. Then they can combine it or pair it with the information they're going to glean from their own firsthand observations about how he runs that business side. Where are things at with the suites, with the sponsorships? Does it get any better? And, you know, they can make up their mind Like you can, you can have your own opinion on Jason, Wright. And I think one, you know, there's a lot of things that you can go over a lot of things that can be discussed good and bad. You hear it both within the, or even within the order within the organization. And, but what you, what we don't know is what they'll find out is what was the Snyder effect here? Because that's real. We've seen it with coaches. We've seen it on the business side, like that Snyder effect is real. And it's very, it's a very unique place to work because of what they had to deal with over the years. So he came in at a chaotic time. Was it, were some of these mistakes all on him? Was it on Snyder? Was it a combination? What did he learn over his three years? Is he, is he, does he become a, a strong team president for them? And, you know, so, but, but again, and I'm not even saying he will or won't, but I, what I am saying is I think they're tank, taking the right, I think they've taken the right approach here, which was again, saying all along, they would use a season um, to, to evaluate what they have here. First priority is stadium. 
Second, second priority is evaluating what they have here and then making a decision from there. And then all the other things will kind of fall off from there, get building up trust with the fans, et cetera, you know, getting, building up sponsors and, and building the business side. Cause there's a lot of things that they haven't been able to do. And the money thing is real. And there are even like for little things, like if you wanted to improve morale there, well, you need to give more people raises because a lot of them still lag behind where their counterparts are with other franchises, but there's no money to do that right now. So when you bring in, you bring in Harris, let's say a little thing like FedEx, once there's an ownership change, FedEx can get out of um, paying for the name rights. Well, this team would love for that to happen because they can go sell the naming rights to the stadium to somebody else and make a lot more money. That infusion of money helps fund things, more sponsorships, more sweet holders signing up. All that stuff will help this franchise start to grow in the in the way they want. Now, how much will, again, with the Harris Group and Jason Wright, they'll make that determination. They'll see what he can do and can't do. And um, and I think you go from there. But I think it's a, the smart move has always been, and it's what we talk about here, the smart move has always been to just see what you have and evaluate. When Dan Snyder came in, he did not do that. He came in and made instant moves, even though he said he wouldn't. He came in and fired a lot of people right away. And a lot of people were let go. A lot of really good people, excuse me, were let go. And I think it kind of set a tone for the way he operated. And, you know, it's funny because you'd hear this over the years. Early on, I had somebody very prominent in the organization said the way they operated was fire, aim, ready. And that was true the entire time that he owned this franchise. Fire, aim, ready. Make a move, then worry about the consequences later or, or maybe deal with them later. Or not, or not even thinking about the consequence. You just make a move without thinking about it. Not a good way to operate. And so I think like that's why I think you'll like the Harris group just because I get the sense that he at least puts a lot of thought into what he's going to do or moves he wants to make. And this is one of them. And I think it's the approach you want him to take. Um, if it was several months ago, maybe he takes a different approach throughout the organization, but it's not. You can't do that when training camp is about to start. And and I think, again, the prudent move is to evaluate, see what you have, and then make a decision. So there you go. That's it for me. Now, here's my conversation with Washington Commanders linebacker, Kalik Hudson. I feel because that one game was really good. It's like, how different do you feel now? Um, do you feel different? No. I, mean, okay. I don't feel no different. Uh, the same intensity, the same focusness every day I come to practice. And since I came to the NFL, I've been working hard every single day, just you know, waiting for an opportunity. And that game was an opportunity. What do you feel you can show there that maybe you've been waiting to show? Just uh, show that I can be a playmaker, uh, show that I'm fast, aggressive, I can cover, and um, I can be a, a big help to our defense. So what do you feel like, how, how have you carried that out to here this, this spring? What did you feel, do you feel you were able to carry that out here? Yes, I feel like I, I'm able to carry that out and I, and I have been able to do that, um, you know, from the help of my teammates and help with my coaches and, you know, just working hard every day, working to, uh, you know, to perfect my craft and to be, to be the best player that I can be. That's my focus every day. When you don't get those, like that number of, that's a, that was a big opportunity. Yeah. So when you only get a few opportunities a game, and if it doesn't go perfect, what does that do for you? Like, you know, is, how hard is that to deal with? Because, you know what I mean? If you only get like six, seven reps, whatever, mm -hmm. and if it doesn't go perfect, how is that hard to deal with? Well, that's the goal to have every rep as flawless, as perfect as, as it can be. But, you know, in real life, it's not going to be that way. So it's just knowing every opportunity that you get, take full advantage of it, no matter if the ball is not coming your way at all. Just make sure you're sprinting to the ball because every play is on film forever. And right. 
that is who you are. That is you represent your last name. Your last name is what you put on film. So why not every play you be balls out? Were there some plays that you made that you think really didn't open your eyes, but maybe open theirs? And that, again, I go back to that game because I think that could be a springboard for you in their eyes, right? Yeah. Um, I 100% think there were some plays that uh, opened the coach's eyes. But, uh, you know, me personally, I feel like I've been uh, doing a lot of that uh, my whole career, really. It's just, you know, just waiting for my opportunity. That's all. And your opportunity is not going to come whenever you want it to. It's going to come whenever it's the perfect time. So whenever it's that time, it's time to show everybody what you're about. How much have you talked to Demar this offseason? Have you been able to talk to him? Uh, I talked to him. I talked to him a couple of times. He's been he's been uh, pretty busy, but yeah. uh, you know he has a, a celebrity softball game coming up that I'm involved with and I'm going to be in. And um, I'm pretty sure we're going to do our uh, kids football camp we do this year every year. So okay. he hasn't announced when the date is though, but I'm pretty sure I'll be hitting him up soon to figure it out. What do you expect for yourself? Last thing you expect for yourself this season now? Again, coming again, I keep going back there because I think it really opened their eyes. What do you expect for yourself this this season? Um, I expect uh, what I expect from myself is to uh, be a leader, uh, be one of the hardest workers on the field, um, and just play ball and just stay true to who I am. Uh, you know, every opportunity I get, just take full advantage of it, and um, everything will unravel. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Cleek for joining me. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Have a happy July 4th, and I'll talk to you Thursday.